to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our conversation with Erica Oba, who we spoke to in May 2022. What was your experience like composing and working with the Del Sol String Quartet during your time at GLF CAM, the Gabriel Elena Frank Creative Academy of Music, in 2018? What were some pearls of wisdom you gained? I feel like I learned so much from getting to work with Del Sol. Um, so my, uh, my residency with GLF CAM back in 2018 was the first time I'd ever really properly written for strings. Um, and certainly my first time trying to write a string quartet. So that was very, very new territory, territory for me. And um, that was, a, uh, I think that was about maybe around the turning point when I was starting to write works for ensembles that I was not in. <laughs> so that, that alone was like a pretty big like adjustment for me. Um, and then just physically writing for strings was such unfamiliar territory. Um, so... I feel like Dulcel was very patient with me. I, you know, there was a lot that I was trying to figure out, just like, well, what, what physically is possible? What can you do? Like, what do these instruments sound like together? So um, uh, we had uh, like a, a reading session before the you know final deadlines. And then throughout the process, they gave me feedback that was just so generous and kind and also very helpful. Um, so I, I felt, you know, significantly more confident about string writing by the end of that piece. And then they actually commissioned me to write a second piece for them in 2020 uh, for their Joy Project. And this was an initiative that they started up um, pretty much right after the pandemic hit, like pretty early on before a lot of other people were like, you know, full steam ahead doing new things. Uh, and they did it... Um, they, what they did was they commissioned a bunch of short new string quartets from a huge array of composers uh, so that they could perform these concerts out, outdoors. And mm-hmm. that, the idea was that, you know, it was 2020 and it was a very difficult time. So uh, they decided to call it the Joy Project and commission new work centered on joy. And so that second string quartet, I felt just generally more uh, confident going into uh, having, you know, had one string quartet under my belt. So I feel like uh, I I had a much easier time writing that piece. And I've been super, super happy with um, how they've played it. I've gotten to see them perform it live a number of times. And um, yeah, I'm super grateful to the Sort Quartet for, yeah, they're they're. they're really wonderful, amazing musicians and also really wonderful, amazing people. As a Bay Area artist, how has the musical landscape changed from when you grew up here? Is there anything you'd like to see more or less of? I mean, I think it's probably constantly changing. And yeah, like like you said, I did grow up here. So I imagine that the musical landscapes changed quite a bit since I was a, a child. And I've heard from older music colleagues and mentors um, how things have changed. I mean, it does sound like maybe back in the 80s and 90s, it might have been a little bit easier to make a living as a working musician. I do think that like even just since I've moved back here after college, it does seem to be that yeah, I think like artistic opportunities seem to be definitely more expansive than they were even when I moved back here, like in 2009. Um, And that's been exciting to see. And I feel like I've definitely benefited from, you know, 
just how much is going on here. That's very exciting. And um, I've, I've gotten to do a couple like local residencies that were, you know, in support of like emerging artists uh, that really did make a huge difference in my career, just in terms of, you know, the types of work that I'm able to do and the people that I was able to network with and also just like bolstering my skill sets. So uh, yeah, in that way, it, it seems like a it seems like both a great moment, and then I think the housing crisis makes it really difficult for working musicians who are trying to sustain themselves through their you know performing careers and composing careers. Because uh, as fertile as it is, <laughs> you know, housing is insane. So <laughs> I would say that's maybe the main. Like I know a number of musicians that. Uh, musicians I was playing with that I was in projects with who have left the Bay Area since the pandemic because it was just uh, completely unsustainable. Um, so yeah, one, one thing I would like to see more of, um, I think it's, it's two-sided, right? I think on the one hand, I think um, just more more paid opportunities, like good paying work for musicians, uh, like guaranteed wages. I know there's organizations really working on this. I think Intermusic SF has done some fantastic work on this. Um, Jazz in the Neighborhood's been doing some really great work on this for jazz musicians. Um, just trying to get musicians like guaranteed wages so you're not always playing for like a percentage of the door, which, you know, can, as we all know, can be quite unpredictable uh, and yeah, very hard to rely on. So I think, yeah, these organizations have been really helping and I, I've benefited from them a lot um, from like, you know, the gigs I've done with them tend to be the ones that like I'm able to, you know, pay rent from. <laughs> um, and then on the other side of that, I think we need a, perhaps a, a larger transformation outside of just the music scene in Bay Area and perhaps in California uh, addressing our housing crisis to make it a little bit easier and affordable for people who are working to be able to live and survive. What does the future of music look like to you, either for yourself or in general? The future of music. Um, I think this is such a great question and I'm really not sure how to answer it because I feel like right now, month to month, I'm having a hard time predicting what the music landscape is going to look like or what the world's going to look like. Um, but I, I guess I can say what I would like for the future of music to look like. I think I would like to see, you know, we touched on this a little bit in the last question, but just an abundance of support for um, lots of different artists coming from different traditions and different backgrounds, like culturally, aesthetically, artistically, um, and for more things like, you know, the Inner Music SF and Jazz in the Neighborhood, just more guaranteed support i guess for artists creating new work um and not just new work but you know for performing artists who want to perform and uh create the vibrant art scene that we have um and for and i think there's a great trend right now happening um we, we haven't talked so much about this but um just a, a larger diversity of voices being heard um and supported and i think we need more of that so not just you know like uh, diversity in any particular way, but, you know, racial diversity, cultural diversity, gender diversity, like artistic diversity. Uh, I think on, on a lot of those fronts, I, I see a lot of like wonderful initiatives happening and uh, I hope that momentum continues and that um, we're all able to benefit from having just like a very rich uh, and varied artistic scene of fully supported artists who are able to, you know, create work and live their lives and thrive. 
When you weren't with people who supported you, how did you get the courage to break free and move on? Um, I think it's an ongoing process, to be honest. But um, I think, find, mm, yeah, the times that I can think of where I was really struggling and then kind of found my way out of it was finding the people that would, like, listen to me and support me and, like, make me feel seen and heard and kind of trying to minimize my investment in the spaces that were not doing that and like the mentors that were not doing that for me. Um, and I've been very, very lucky in mentorship. I feel like so lucky. There's like a, you know, like a good half dozen mentors that I've had over the course of my life who have, you know, completely changed the course of my life. And like, I feel like very, very lucky to have met crucial people at crucial points in my life. One of them is Gabriela Lina Frank, who runs GLF Cam, which we talked about earlier. Like, I mean, I think I would have a very different life if I hadn't met her. <laughs> so I'm very, very grateful to her. Another one's, uh, I, re- I met Myra Melford right after um, I graduated from Oberlin when I moved back to Berkeley. And she like was a huge, like just encountering her music and encountering her as a person. She was just so like generous with her time and mentorship. And I feel like that also like was a a little pivot for me for like the kind of music I thought I wanted to make and the, you know, direction I wanted to go. Thank you for listening to For Good Measure and a special thank you to our guest, Erica Oba, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media, and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. Four Good Measures produced by Nanette McGinnis and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes. With special thanks to audio engineer extraordinaire Stephanie Newman. Remember to keep supporting equity in the arts and tune in next week for Good Measure.